Hey everybody, what's up? It's your boy MJ and welcome to a very special episode of the Black Wine Guy Experience. I'm really excited because if you followed me on IG or are a fan of the show, you know I love discovering, drinking, and sharing incredible hidden gems from maverick winemakers with fascinating backstories. Today I'm going to do that and even more. This is the second in a series of conversations with some of the world's finest winemakers that you may not even know yet. And... A first here on the show, you'll actually be able to buy the wines discussed today with just a simple text from your phone. We'll have more on that as we go along. Hey everybody, what's up? It's your boy MJ, and I'm thrilled to welcome the owner, manager of Domaine, Bretagne, and Nuit St. George, Burgundy, France, Miss Eva Ray. Uh, Eva comes from a family of wine growers in the Moselle Valley of Germany. And she grew up in the vineyards, discovering a love for the land and a passion for wine that was passed down from one generation to another. Uh, Her wine love story began after World War II with her grandfather, who bought wine in bulk from Burgundy. He was a Francophile and a lover of great wines. And in 1954, he acquired his first vines in Chambon-Musigny in Burgundy. In 1982, Eva's father had the opportunity to own Domaine Bretagne in Vougeot. And in this episode, we'll, her, we'll hear how Eva, who is the youngest of five siblings, came to run Domaine Bretagne. Welcome, Eva. Hello. Nice to meet you. I'm oh, my God. This is so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to be with you. Yeah. Well, I love, um, I love, uh, so your family, um, well, you know, before we even get into all the great stories I'm sure you have to tell, uh, tell us a little bit about the wine we're drinking this evening. I have to say I enjoy um, this this Hood uh, Nuit because uh, um, it has a nice uh, freshness. Uh, it has a nice fruit, a beautiful acidity, especially the one we have in the class of 2017. For this Chardonnay in 2017, uh, because being so hot, uh, we had a problem in summertime that um, there was so much leak of water <clears throat> that um, the growing stopped. And then luckily we had a little bit of rain in August where the crow went, went on, but because of the heat, we were really worrying about the acidity. But you can see the acidity is really nice, um, has a nice minerality. Um, it's um, actually a wine we, we make for drinking young. Mm-hmm. It has been tied to drink young. Um, and it's um, like, for me, it's it's... I shouldn't say that because I'd be alcoholic straight away, but um, it's <laughs> lunch wine or apero wine, you know. Yeah. Um, it's for like for more easier food for with salad and 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 a steak or something more uh, lighter meals, you know. Um, I do really enjoy to have that wine most of the time. Well, yeah. I mean, isn't that generally? Um, I know Europeans are are you guys uh, over in Europe are um, known for enjoying a glass of wine with lunch, you know, with a salad or something, you know, it's not a big deal. It's not like um, over here where guys will have three martini lunches and then go back to wall street and lose people's money. It's, it's, it's more to enjoy and enhance the meal. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm completely agree with you, but that's the way I enjoy it. Mostly, you know, it's all a question of taste. I mean, I I would enjoy it also with some pasta. Most people would drink red wine with pasta, you know, um, but um, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a wine which has been vinified to drink more easily. I was thinking uh, this would go really well with a, a cacio de pepe uh, pasta. Very simple, 
you know, just some cream, a little creamy sauce with uh, some pe- crap pep- cracked pepper. And um, yes. you said that this was vinified um, to be drunk young. Um, what 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 set what sets this apart? What uh, how did you age this? Was this um, new oak? How did you vinify it so it, it has this freshness? What we do uh, anyway in springtime after the flowering time, we do a green harvest which means we cut down everything which is too much on the vines uh, to make sure uh, that we have about 10 to 12 bunches left for this style of vine. And um, then uh, once it is harvest, um, they come, the hood coat and we are 50% in oak and 50% in stainless steel. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. I was aging for about a year to, to 16 months. Um, and then we have the assemblage, which means we put the ones from the barrels and the stainless steel together. We assemble uh, these two cuvées to get what you've got now in the class. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so uh, before we <clears throat> dive into the history of uh, Domaine Bretagne and, and, and your family and how you came to run it, I just want to pause because as you as we were talking about the wine and you were talking about what you would pair it with and, and how you like to drink it, I'm sure people already are kind of clamoring to find out how they can get this wine. So I just wanted to know um, that um, we've got the coolest and easiest way for you to get this wine. All you have to do is text EVA, that's E-V-A, to 351444. W-I-N-E. So 351-444-WINE. And you will instantly get a text back with all the details you need to know about the, the wine, the price, shipping, all the info you'll need. It's it's really that simple, guys. So text EVA, that's E-V-A, to 351-444-W-I-N-E, 351-444-9463. Follow the, the prompts in your text and you get your hands on this amazing bottle of wine, okay? So um, I'm gonna have another sip and I, I, wanna, I wanna find out how this got into the bottle. So how did, where did it all begin for you? You know, um, you grew up in the Moselle Valley. So what was that like? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, it's uh, actually, I'm, I'm from a wine family in the Mosul Valley, so we are more famous for Riesling white wine uh, over there. And um, my grandfather used to have a negociant, uh, which means you buy wines from other growers or other companies and you bottle it yourself, what he did um, after the Second World. And um, he got, um, he started to buy some French table wine from, from a man in Burgundy. And they got very, very good friends. So um, um, actually, uh, my grandfather completely fell in love with Burgundy and the French lifestyle, of course. Um, it's a bit different than the German ones. but um, <laughs> uh, and, um, and then when he passed away, my, my, my father had the same, same um, love uh, for this uh, for this part of the world. Um, I personally did not like it so much. Yeah, because if you grow up in a wine um, in a wine family, it's the most wonderful thing. But um, if you're younger and uh, you have holiday and you have to walk every time in the vineyards or in the cellar, <laughs> then you probably dream of doing something definitely different one day in your life when you finish school. So it wasn't my dream job, really. Um, and... Um, I actually wanted to do design, 
But then, um, then when I finished school, I I just didn't want to start straight away. I wanted to enjoy life a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, which I couldn't tell my father, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and um, then I had this brilliant idea, saying, "Look, let's buy. I would love to learn French, Dad." Huh? He said, "Yeah, that's a great idea." And I said, "So look, I found this wonderful language school in Paris." Yeah, because the idea was only Paris, not uh, not learning French. And um, uh, he said, oh, why Paris? Um, there's also a good language school in Dijon. I said, oh, gosh, you know, that was not Paris, Dijon. And, um, but after, I mean, at this time, you would not say to your parents, I don't want to do that, you know. Yeah. And, and, and then, I thought, then I got okay with the idea of going to Dijon. Um, of course, I wanted to stay at the campus. And then he said, oh, you don't need to stay at the campus. The winery is close by. You can stay there. <laughs> I thought, oh, God, this is just so far away of all my ideas. And then I, I finally end up uh, staying at a winery and being at a, in a language school in Dijon. So they had really good contacts. And that was the first time I was really taken to different cellars um, and, and learning something about Burgundy. And, um, and uh, I just absolutely loved it. So when I finished the language school, I said to my family, you know, I, I go on with my, <clears throat> with my studies, but um, if you are okay with that, I would like to go one day to, to Burgundy and see if I'm able to look after the winery. And they said, oh, okay, yeah, no problem. <laughs> Everybody was thinking, oh, she's doing that a year or so, and then she's going to come back home or she's doing whatever. But um, but I didn't. I, I stayed there, and I've been there since '88. Wow! So that's that's so awesome. I want to go back to some things you said earlier. That I know that you studied at the University of Dijon. Um, I was yeah. wondering, um, did you ever get the opportunity to go visit Paris while while you're studying, while you're a student? Well, uh, not really. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> not really, um, because. Uh, uh, it was, um, well, yeah, of course, yeah, but sometimes you stayed in Dijon with your friends, you know, and um, to make sure that you couldn't go out without driving too late back back home. And um, and then also uh, um, it was nice outside of the university. Then I had this um, friend of my grandfather who was just unbelievable. He just, um, he had, uh, he had an open office every day from 11.30, and every day at 11.30, he offered his bottles of champagne. So um, <laughs> every, all sorts of people went there. I mean, other vintners, chef de police, uh, everyone went there. And then one day I was, uh, I was there, I was, I was young, I was really young, and, uh, and he called me and said, uh, Eva, you have to come now, now, it's very important. And I said, oh, it's, oh, my God, you know, I had really respect of this man. And, um, and I, I just drove there very quickly. And I went up to his office and opened the door. And the office was full of men only, yeah, <laughs> during apartheid time, yeah. And then he looked at me and said, Eva. I said, oui, Maurice. And he said, tu as le choix. You get the choice. Look at all these good-looking men. <laughs> And yeah, and you just slightly twenty. I got red like, oh, well, more red than any tomato, um, um, and I had no idea how to run away. Uh, yeah, 
Um, they were very special people, yeah. They were very special people I met during this time, I have to say, yeah. Mm, mm. Very nice, very nice. So um, what was it like working for your father? Because I yes. know some people in a family business, there can be conflict. Uh, how was it working for your father? In the beginning, it was a bit difficult, I have to say, to walk um, with my father because uh, I, uh, I started the experience Burgundy myself and um, always been told that our wines are fantastic and great. Um, it took me a little while to realize that the wines were not so good. Mm. And um, so, uh, so I was trying to speak to my father about it, that we need to change different things. Um, so on that side, my father was very, very, um, very old fashioned um, of changing something. Then I decided I'm, I'm, I'm not asking my dad I'm telling him when it's done. <laughs> yeah, we they call that and they say uh, it's better to uh, ask for forgiveness yeah. than ask for permission, right? So you just did it and say, "Oh, I'm sorry." <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he was not always very happy, but as I knew he was far away, you know, <laughs> you could only shout on the phone. <laughs> um, uh, so that that was a bit difficult, really probably in the beginning to, to, to realize that um, they need something to be done to get a better reputation and to see better uh, and, uh, and something in winemaking has to change as well. And I had the perfect winemaker at the time uh, who was also able to translate all my thoughts and my wishes um, into a new direction. And that was brilliant, yeah. Did, yeah. did you have the opportunity to go visit other wine regions uh, at some point while you were making changes to the domain? I didn't, I didn't really take um, ideas or other energies from other wine places at that time. Um, but um, I took a lot of ideas from colleagues in Burgundy. Uh, when a woman comes and asks you, then, then, then and the people think, oh, I have to take her hands and I will show you how to do it and, you know, and explain everything. And I, I was always also asking, you know, can you explain me maybe, please? And I don't know how to do And um, And then you get everything told and everything explained. It was wonderful. It was really helpful being young and a woman. Yeah. And, um, and I, I think maybe also a woman, a woman doesn't, isn't, is less ashamed to ask. If you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> At the time, you were, there was only you were one of two women winemakers in France, but that actually worked, or in Burgundy rather. That actually, you just explained that worked to your advantage because you could be like, "I don't know what I'm doing," right? and uh, they'd be happy to help. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, we can't resist <laughs> as a man. <laughs> uh, and uh, um, <laughs> I just sometimes. I'm French this term, you know. I mean, I have been to language school. But um, I have to say, I didn't understand anybody, and nobody understood me. Huh? Um, my French was terrible, so that 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 was maybe also a huge thing, extra huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, then it was like, oh, then she's a cute foreigner. <laughs> but it's um, but it's um, important to to be able to count on other people's um, um, advice, you know, um, and that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. No. That that. I mean, I know a lot of uh, winemakers in california because i'm in the united states and there is a kinship like people will just they'll just you can just ask questions it's not a competition they just see the the whole 
region rising. Do you see that in Burgundy as well? Just, you know, like you said, you were in a wave of younger generations taking over uh, the domains and seeking to elevate the quality of wine. Um, So it sounds like there was just this kinship of people sharing ideas and willing to help each other. Yeah, but, um, you know, it's it's it, it's a difference between a domain um, because we're all very small and mm. we all, most of us, don't have um, the same appellations. Mm. Yeah. So um, I, I think if, if I would have asked someone who ha- would have half of the same appellations than myself, then, um, then they would probably not have been the same input. Tell us, tell everybody about Pino, your dog. Uh, Pino my dog. Yes. Um, <laughs> Pino my dog. Uh, Pino my dog is having a great time. Oh. <laughs> Pino my dog is having a great time. Uh, we had yesterday. We had five tastings in the wine cellar, and I think it has made his day because he's a big <laughs> lover of Pinot Noir. So um, every time I have uh, every time I have customers coming over for tastings in the cellar, you know, and then you taste with the pipette. And uh, some people, when they split, they, 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 they lose some drops of red wine. So in the beginning, they always ask me, what, what is wrong with me? So why, why should there be something wrong with you? He said, because your dog is, is really looking very intense. I mean, I said, he's just hoping that you lose some drops of Pinot Noir. <laughs> and, then, um, and then he leaks all the drops up he, in, in the floor. He's cleaning the cellar. Uh, systematically when we drink Pinot Noir. He's not the same fan when we have Chardonnay, I have to say. Um, he's not into Chardonnay, but he uh, he loves Pinot Noir and he loves uh, following me in the vineyards. Um, uh, he's the most happy dog when he can be there, yeah. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Well, uh, you know, I would say that uh, Pinot doesn't know what he's missing and that if anybody wants to get some of this wine, just remember, you can just simply text EVA, that's E-V-A, to 351-444-W-I-N-E. That's text EVA, E-V-A, to 351-444-9463. Well, I am really enjoying this 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 uh, white burgundy here. This, I'm oh, glad you said it. I'm happy, yeah. Yeah. Um, Overall, how many uh, bottles, or uh, do you do you produce? How many bottles does the main Bretagne produce? Both uh, uh, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. How many? What's the overall production? Yeah, in a, in a good year, in a good year, and the last one was two thousand eighteen. In a good year, we do about sixty thousand bottles. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but um, but we, the last uh, since two thousand one. Expect 2018. Uh, we've always had much less, yeah, because of uh, frost, hailstorms, uh, illnesses. Um, yeah. Yeah. How were you affected by the frost? Um, I know there was a, a big frost earlier this year, or, or last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We we lost um, <clears throat> we lost quite a lot, especially for the white wines, because the, the Chardonnay always starts growing a little bit earlier than the Pinot Noir. And the Chardonnay was already out for about two centimeters, and the Pinot Noir only for half a centimeter. So um, the whites were the first damage was about ninety to ninety-five percent. Yeah. Wow! Oh that, my goodness. Yeah, that was just it. Really, extremely sad. Yeah, extremely sad. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I want to just talk a little bit more about the terroir of this particular wine um, because you said it was the, the, this vineyard was planted to Pinot Noir. What made you uh, replant it with Chardonnay? What did what did what was about the terroirs you thought would make good Chardonnay? Um, I, I changed uh, for for two reasons. Um, I changed first of all the vineyard needed to be replanted, and um, uh, and we still we already have quite a lot of Pinot Noir Haute Côte de Nuit, yeah, and we didn't have enough white wine, mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to be able to offer more white wine, and and I mostly sell our Haute Côte de Nuit Pinot Noir and Haute Côte de Nuit Chardonnay together as a couple. You okay. know, Monsieur and Madame Hotkuduni, <laughs> and um, so I was looking for having a Madame Hotkuduni with Monsieur Hotkuduni, and um, and the other reason was um, this vineyard needed to be replanted, mm -hmm. and um, you know when when you have younger plants, um, the Chardonnays are getting interesting quite quickly. After I mean, you have to wait the first three three years anyway before you can harvest. But um, a Chardonnay grape is getting more interesting to, for vinification when it's young. Then a Pinot Noir, you need to wait eight or ten years till the grapes get really interesting. Um, so that was the second reason that I wanted to make sure that I have something in a younger age I can already sell under our name. I love, I love Monsieur <laughs> Madame. <laughs> Madame yes, I, I think uh, the consummate winemaker seeking balance and harmony. So that makes sense. <laughs> um, you know, wine enthusiasts named your 2018 uh, Grand Cru Clos Saint Denis one of its 10 favorite Burgundy wines to cellar uh, in 2021. Um, let's just talk a little bit about what makes that wine so special. For the Clos Saint Denis? Yeah, the, Clo the Clos Saint Denis. Yeah, because it was, yeah. Oh. Did you try it? Did you taste it? No, I just I, I know wine enthusiasts said it was one of their it was one of their ten favorite burgundies. So you know, a, you guys could send me a bottle. I would love to. You could send me two. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, um, obviously you've tried it, and uh, it it's, it gained some it gained some critical acclaim as a lot of your wines have. But what made that wine so special? I have to say, it's I love Clos Saint Denis. It's um. It's, I remember when I started over 30 years ago, it was the, the, the village was not famous at all, really. And, uh, and the appellations were not very well known. It was probably one of the less expensive Grand Cru's at the time. I've always loved our Clos Saint-Denis. It's a phenomenon with the Clos Saint-Denis every year. It's uh, the, the balance between the aromas and the tannins and the acidity. Um, it's... It's it's something when you, on, on the beginning of the winemaking, you have you have really you have four you have five six different person in a barrel. So when you taste it, you you have you have the, you have only the food, and then you you come the tannins comes up, and then the with the acidity, um, and then the peppers. Um, but somehow the close Sandini and the end of the vinification, they're all mixed up together. You know, it's like if they had needed such a long time to meet each other, these flavors, and then they have a beautiful balance, um, a beautiful finesse. Uh, it makes a very unique appellation for myself. I love it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
So um, I just got a couple more questions for you as we're, we're coming up on the top of the hour. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, you've been doing this for quite some time and got, garnered some success. Um, what profession other than your own, what, what, if you weren't doing this, what would you like to do or what would you like to try to do? In the, in the winery itself, you mean, but what else I wanted to do? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, beyond the winery, yeah. What, what would you like to do? If you, if you weren't running your family's domain, what would, you, what would you do? Like if you could do something else, which you're very successful uh, and good at this, but what, what would you like to try? I don't know. What, what, what would you do what, if you could do something else? Well, I'm doing it. This is like my second, this is like my 18th career. It's true, yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, I've got that. Um, uh, that's a really difficult question, I have to say. Maybe, um, but I'm not sure if I would really do it. You know, I would, I would get for, for, go for a bigger garden and try to to be my own biologic farmer, okay. fish farmer. Yeah. yeah. That um that was something I would really enjoy. Very nice, yeah? very nice. Uh and, and another fun question. If you could have a bottle of wine with anyone, yeah. Who would it be? I would it would be um Domain Britannia. <laughs> <laughs> what a silly question. I'd be in heaven. Yeah. Well well Eva, thank you for taking the time to come on and share with me and my listeners the incredible journey uh, that you and your family have been through, uh, your work at Domaine Britannia, just creating these, crafting these really fantastic wines. And I know that they'll enjoy them as much as I'm enjoying them. Thank you so much. You're a lovely woman, lovely wines. Uh, the wines uh, speak of, uh, they have a sense of place and a sense of the winemaker. Um, so thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, my friends, until the next time, cheers to the Mavericks. She definitely is a Maverick. Philosophers, the deep thinkers, and all you wine drinkers, it's MJ. Take care. Peace. Okay, everybody, it's time to order your bottles of Bretagne Haute Cote de Nuit Blanc from Domaine Bretagne. Simply text EVA, E-V-A, to 351-444-WINE. That's 351-444-9463. And it's EVA, E-V-A, to 351-444-WINE, 351-444-9463. You'll get a text back instantly with the details about the price, the wine, shipping, all of it. We've made this super simple. You won't get a million emails. After that, just sit back, relax, and know that this hidden gem, it's on its way.